Look at your record collection behind. Look at you. It's, it's only a few. It's only it's it's not a lot of records. That's so cool. What do you what do you listen to? Uh rock. Rock music. Rock? Oh my god, my husband would love you right now. Oh, there you go. What what sort of what concerts has he dragged you to? Oh, I don't go with him. That's all him. <laughs> Come on. Really? We just have very different styles of music. Like he was rock and alternative, like all of that side of the house. And I'm like R&B and hip hop. And so like, we don't speak the same language. We both laugh at each other. You don't, you don't go to like, he doesn't take you to stuff and you don't take him to stuff or. The only concert we've been to together was you two. We went to together. Cause I, I appreciate you two for sure. Okay. Um, and they're, you know. They're part of my generation of growing up. Yeah, that's the only one we've been together. Like he's gone to Def Leppard and ACD, like all of the other ones, and I'm like, no, that's just noise. And then I wow. go to like the Man and Justin Timberlake, and he's like, no, nope, can't do it. So I, I think he he might appreciate it because I oh so I was in New York in October. I want to say for uh, for Advertising Week. Yeah, and I we I saw oh my goodness. Um, they just they just won like the Grammys for like the number one song, and uh, he's he's oh my Who goodness, like here like um yeah he's like he's hip hop, like uh, Harry Styles, like not not Harry Styles, it's oh, the like two. Oh. It's it's the two guys. One of them, oh, like I can see their faces. What are their names? Let's see who the winners are here. Oh, um. Was it Bruno Mars? Yeah. So who does he sing with? Bruno Mars and who? What's that guy's Anderson, name? Anderson Pack. And your your like, husband Silk, would love his stuff. Silk Sonic. Oh, really? Oh my goodness. So we I saw him in concert. Um huh. it was it was amazing. That's, it was, actually I've heard that before. He's that really, really good. Interesting. Um, like it, yeah, and it was like you could tell there was a hip hop in there, but it was like it was rock. It was, uh, yeah, it was just really, really good stuff. Some yeah. funk in there. Yeah, uh, yeah, he yeah. Was like that. Yeah, it was, was really, like really that. good. Um, well, and, I and I, I mean, I love music, love, love, love music. And um, when I was younger, like in my twenties, I used to kind of dabble in a little bit of DJing. And then I had I got married, and then I had kids, and stopped doing it for a long time. And then in December of last year, with the family was sitting, we were in Hawaii and I said, we're sitting on the beach. And I looked at my husband and I said, Arif, we got to talk. And he's like, oh God, uh -oh. <laughs> like, I think I'm hitting my midlife crisis. He's like, you want a Porsche? And I'm like, it's not your midlife crisis. It's my midlife crisis. <laughs> and I was like, I want to DJ again. So like, he's like, I mean, if you want to do it again, do it again. So I, we land back home and I've already bought all the things that I like. So from my office, I can see like I have a controller and turntables. And so like, I've been kind of getting back into it now. Okay. And the, and the awesome thing is like the kids will come down my are 11 and eight. And now they like, I love when kids love music. Like yeah. it just, I think it's so just good, your it? soul. And yeah. so they, you know, they're kind of fiddling around with beats and it's actually pretty awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. And I saw Mary J. Blige on that same trip. Oh, see? Now yeah. you're speaking my language. Yeah, yeah. That's and pretty awesome. It was, yeah. So it was it was a good it was a good work trip that had a lot yeah. of fun. Yep. Well but, he uh, I mean he he loves Rihanna and he loves like Nelly Furtado. Like he does Nelly love. Furtado, okay. He just, you know, 
Yeah. There's some there's um a type of music within hip hop that he really likes. Like yeah, he yeah, loves yeah. strong vocals is something he really, really loves. Okay, okay. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I used to be a, like a, I used to be snobby about it. Um or I, I remember do you, ever, do you remember the band Our Lady Peace? Yeah, really okay. well. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I had a chance to interview the guitarist and the drummer on 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 a they went on tour. Yeah. And so I interviewed them. This might have been 2018 or 2019. Um, and the drummer played with Justin Bieber. And at the time I'm going, Justin Bieber, come on, come yeah. you know. And then it, it took me a while to say, shit, I was really snobby about about music. And what did they think <laughs> of me that I'm t- you know, that I'm like, yeah. you know, do, they, do the boys bug you and tease you for little do I know, like probably they all respect probably each other. And and and, the, and yeah, the work that they do, and, and I so think there's yeah. like a respect amongst artists. Listen, I my kids so. will my kids will walk around the house, and in one breath they're singing like Pearl Jam, Jeremy, and the other one they're singing Bruno Mars, right? Like your they, kids are singing Jeremy, wow, yeah, because that's what that's, that's what, what listens to. In that's, the house, what <laughs> that's what dad plays. That's what dad plays in the house. So like, I, and I love that. Like, I want them to have kind of a yeah. full range of appreciation for music because I think it's just good for you, right? So. That is so true. You know how everybody's playing Wordle these days? Yes, we are all doing that. Yes. Okay, so there's a music version of that. Really? It's called Hurdle. Like, heard, I heard that. Yeah. Heard, and then L-E. And so they'll they'll start off with like a second of a song. Oh. And then you try to guess it. Look at this. Yeah. And so uh, so sometimes uh, my brother will, will send a WhatsApp message and saying, Isaac guessed it on the first second. I feel so proud, <laughs> you know, that's and it'll be like, no or something like that. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So once, once All your right. kids start doing that, then they'll be, they'll be excited. I know. Well, they're addicted to Wordle. So I don't know if I want to give them another one, but <laughs> it's, that looks so awesome. I need to try it myself, I think. Yeah. So is DJ, tell me, uh, I, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your name correctly, by the way. Zaylene? Zaylene. Okay. Yep. Um, and you can also call me Z. Everybody calls me Z. So either or whatever you're comfortable, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever comes okay. out naturally. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, DJ, is that, is that something that's like, you know, how, you know, some people, I don't know how it is in, in San Fran. Some people Tuesday night is like the, you know, the boys, the girls, they get together and they do ice hockey at, at midnight. Is that yeah. DJing for you? Is, 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 is that for you or is that like um, DJing? Do you see yourself playing I, in Spain and all that? Oh God, no. Um, I mean, it used to be I would be the one playing ice hockey at midnight, right? Like, I think just with work and the craziness of life, for me, it's whatever I can do to kind of give myself an outlet. Sometimes, sometimes that will be going and playing a sport. Now, right, I can come downstairs and play some music for a little while and it just kind of lets me just be happy thinking and doing something else. Sometimes, sometimes it's just reading a good book, right? Like I think the more you the more ways you can like if you can find ways, it doesn't have to be more ways. If you can find ways to kind of bring yourself back down and just take a breath, um, I find like it just makes me better, more effective, more appreciative of like the things I'm doing during the day. Right. It's just, it's an outlet. It's an outlet. Yeah. Sometimes you need to exercise a different side of your brain or totally do something. If totally I have different. a really big present, like a deck to write, like 
often if I have to put something together for a presentation I have to make or a presentation my CEO has to make, I will come and DJ. I will do a little bit of music before just to get my, like, not stress out about it. Not walk in completely stressed, but have a little bit more of, like, some creative energy. Um, you know, just loosen me up. It's like it's like an athlete getting on a bike right before they play, right? It's just, you're just, you're just getting loose. Just burning off some nervous energy yeah, sometimes. that's exactly right. You're burning off some nervous energy. So, like, you know, there's times when my team will call and I'll be in front of my turntables and they're like, and it's like 930 in the morning. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm, like, I'm, getting, I'm getting ready to write a deck. And they're like, oh, okay, whatever it takes. <laughs> what are those beats and those lights flashing? <laughs> right, they're just like, what are you? I mean, they're hilarious and awesome, but um, yeah. they're just like, don't you have a meeting right now? I'm like, yes, my meeting is over here with the music. And in 30 minutes, I have to write a presentation. So that's what we're doing right now. So this is what I'm doing. Have you always worked from home in this role or? In this role, yes. So this role, um, which I started in 2019, because the office is based in LA and I'm I'm in San Francisco, like that was the agreement that I would just work from home and travel to LA, which I do quite a bit. I mean, I didn't do it during COVID, but, you know, the last few weeks, which is why it's been taking us so long, um, it was a lot. Of, I've been doing a lot of travel. Like every week, I feel like I've been on the road. Um, and, you know, once upon a time in my life, Karim, like that was really fun for me to be on the road that much. Now I'm like, oh, my God, how am I can't do this anymore. I'm older and I also want to be around the family. Uh, so it takes it takes some saying no for sure sometimes. Um, and then it just takes some balance of like how I do it. But it's a balance. That's right. It's totally a balance. And, and, you know, whereas when I was younger, not only did I have more time to travel and it was more exciting, I also, you know, you don't say no when you're in those situations, right? You don't stand up for yourself. Even if, yeah, you're like, oh, I'm not going to pass up this opportunity. Someone needs me there. Like I'm going to, and now like you, you have other priorities and you have more confidence in yourself to be like, okay, do I need to go? And, um, is there, if, if I can't, is there a way to get something done without me there? And oftentimes the answer is, you know, yes. Um, and so I just, I've gotten a little bit better at well, saying good. like, Hey, I, I, that one's not going to work for me. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Happens in, it happens with time. Yeah. Your first trip after the pandemic or that must've been nice just to get away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not even the first one. Like next week I go to New York for a few meetings and, um, okay. And um, one of the like an industry event, and I'm excited to go to New York, and I'm excited to see a lot of people in the industry. I was just having lunch with my husband. We were sitting there having lunch, and you know, I looked at him I'm like, "You're gonna be okay, right?" And he's like, "Are you gonna stay if I say no?" I'm like, "No, nope. <laughs> you're on your own. <laughs> you're on your own." Um, so, and I'm, you know, and he, and when he travels too, like I think it's a good break for him. He gets to just, you know focus on his career, build his network, all of the things that are still important. Um, so it's, I, I enjoy it when I go. I think it's just the frequency by which I travel that has to, I have to really be careful around that. Well, that's good. So when you, at school, at university, did you go to university in Ontario? Oh, sorry, not Ontario, in, but Canada? Yeah, in BC. Yeah, in I BC. went to Simon Fraser University. Yep. But you you didn't do business. You did well, well, you did sports therapy or something like that? Yeah, good memory. So I did my undergraduate degree in kinesiology. 
So that was, it's more the science side of sport, right? It's the, the study of human structure and how it relates to function, right? So people who um, want to go into strength and conditioning or athletic training or physical therapy um, or, or OT or even into med school, like usually that's a pretty typical path. Like somebody does a kinesiology degree, especially at SFU, because that's, it's a, it was a bachelor of science in kinesiology. You can do kinesiology um, and do a, a bachelor of arts, but that's usually kind of the administrative side of sport. Um, but yeah, I did my undergrad in kines in at SFU and like went into athletic training and strength and conditioning. So did a lot of like rehab for a bunch of teams, athletic therapy for a bunch of teams. And honestly, like I was super happy. Like that was a dream job for me. I was a you know tomboy growing up, wanting to play a bunch of sports, wanted to stay in sport and loved being in Vancouver. Obviously, you know, we have a very tight knit community, totally saw myself spending the rest of my life in Vancouver and, you know, was kind of on a, on a journey or a path. And then I met my now husband, then boyfriend, and he was living, in, he was, he's Canadian. So, you know, on, uh, lived in Montreal, but was living in the U S at the time. And so we met and we started dating and he's like, what are you, you know, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I'm like, I'm going to be a senior athletic trainer, right? I was like, I'm an athletic trainer. I'm going to, I'm going to grow in this path. And he was like, you know, and, and this is kind of a little bit of just, um, I think what happens sometimes, especially at that time, when you came to, when you, when you came to the U S as a Canadian and you kind of like saw business and how expansive different industries had kind of grown into it was like, you know, there's a whole business side of sport, right? Like if you really love sport and that's your passion, you don't, unless you really love the science side, like there is this whole other path and opportunity for you that's exploded in the U in the US. Like you should, you should kind of look into it. And I just hadn't, I don't know. I just hadn't put two and two together. Like I, I just hadn't thought of it before that time. And then he said that and I went and I started looking at like programs at, colleges in the United States that offered business and sport um, graduate degrees. And there were like a handful at the time, but a number, you know, it's a good number um, and applied to grad school at UMass. And they had a, a amazing longstanding master's in sports management program. You could combine it and do your MBA. And so I did a two-year program um, with the full intention of coming back home to Vancouver after I was done to work in sport, but with a, with a, you know, with a master's degree and my poor mother, like, I think she's still waiting. As just you never, you never went back, <laughs> never went back, never went back, like never happened. Wow. Yeah. And so was that, was that different? Was that uncomfortable? Like doing, you know, I don't know how old you were at the time. So maybe it was no big deal. Cause you didn't know, but how difficult, how uncomfortable, if at all, was that for you? Yeah, I think it was, um, I think it was very uncomfortable for me. It was, and some of it, it you know, traditional discomfort, right? It just within, within the community, you know, girls going away to school and then staying somewhere else far away was like uncomfortable for my parents, for sure. Um, you know, now we're talking this was 2003 to 2005. I was in school. So we're talking almost 20 years ago, right? Times were a little bit different back then. Um, and also a little scary for me, right? Like, 
you know, I was in my mid twenties and, you know, unlike my husband who left home at 17, like I didn't leave home until I was 25 years old. Right. So, um, you know, you worry a little bit, like, can I do this? I'm living in New York city, making not a lot of money, right. Really huge city to, to try to sustain yourself and kind of make it or break into the industry. It was a little nerve nerve wracking for sure. Um, I mean, the good news about New York, right, is, and you know this, it's it's like a city full of people just like that, who are just trying to make it, whether that's within sports or music or banking or whatever it is, like you just, there is this um, energy, sometimes a little bit cutthroat, but there's a little bit of like, I'm going to make it in the city. And if I could, it's Alicia, it's an Alicia Keys song. Like if I can make it here, I will make it anywhere. And like, that's a very real energy in New York city. Um, and so I think, you know, I didn't spend long there. New York wasn't a great fit for me. I was always a West coast girl. Like I like being outside. I like being I like a very laid back culture. Um, so I didn't fit like the busyness of New York, but I would never have traded New York as the first place that I had to work because it builds this like, grit in you of like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because that's just what you do over here. So I was scared for sure. I was scared. I think there was definite discomfort, obvious, very noticeable discomfort from my family and my parents. Um, but everyone kind of, you know, you, you learn, it was a learning opportunity for, for all of us. So it was good. Are you an only child or I have a younger brother. Okay. Um, who is, amazing and brilliant and but you know he's been at home like he is now got a family in Vancouver he lives you know down the street from my parents um you know he's tried and true Vancouver kid boy now man you know make doing very well but you know he's kind of stayed local and um thank god for that because I think he gets relied on for a lot of things at home um but yeah you know, I, I'm, I think for the most part, I'm definitely the only person in a very big family. If you count aunts and uncles and cousins, and we're very close. I'm the only one that has moved to the U.S. out of a family of, I don't know, 60, 70 people. Um, and one of the few that have moved away from home. Now, some of my younger cousins have moved to from Vancouver to Toronto, for example. But, um, you know, I think they look at me as like the outlier of, oh, my God, what is she doing there? When we had the, we had, um, you know, some of the government stuff that was happening in the last administration and some of the rules around the Muslim ban and all of these things, you know, we have a family WhatsApp group and my cousins were like, when are you moving back home? And like, get out of there. What are you doing? So they were trying to, you know, encourage me to come back um, as they should have. But um, yeah, I think they kind of look at me sometimes like, oh my God, what has she done? Wait, I'll look. Sorry, go on. Like, you know, like. You, you're Canadian, right? You're yeah, Canadian? Yeah. yeah. So you know, like, when you are Canadian, like, not only have I moved, now I'm, I've moved and I'm working for Team USA. So, like, I'll come home. Wearing, you're playing for the other team. <laughs> dude, and I'm getting thrashed at home, right? Because my email address says Team USA. I'm wearing <laughs> Team USA gear. And they're just like, what have... So some of this is like, oh my God, Indian girl moving to the United States, wasn't married, all of these things. Some of it is like Canadian born and bred, Canadian athlete born and bred, loves Team Canada, now working for Team USA, wearing all the Team USA gear. Like it's, it's been a tough 
you know, every time I visit now, they're just I get a I get a little bit of trash talking. I so. think I've seen some photos. You're wearing like Raptors jerseys and stuff like that. Yeah, I've I seen. wear a lot. I, I, yeah. And my my colleagues at work laugh because I'll wear something Team USA and they'll be like, oh, she's turning over. And I'm like, and then underneath it'll be a Team Canada shirt. And I was like, <laughs> this one is closer to my heart. So um, I try. I'm trying to keep both sides. <laughs> I just watched a, a Seinfeld episode um, where he, they get invited to the owner's seats and uh, at, at the at, was it the Mets game, Yankees Yankees game? Yeah. Uh, and Elaine is wearing a Baltimore Orioles baseball cap. <laughs> yep. And she won't take it off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was mean, funny. I've been on calls wearing Team Canada gear, and my boss will be like, "I don't think you should do that." And I'm like, "The Olympics is all about inclusion and acceptance of other people." Like. I feel like I'm embodying Olympic values right here. So um, it's funny, right? Right behind me, right, is uh, if I, this is a picture of Sidney Crosby. If the Vancouver 2010 games when Canada won, when Canada won the gold medal in ice hockey, and it sits right behind my desk. Some, and sometimes when I'm on calls, like I'm standing, We'll be talking to a prospect again, representing Team USA, and that picture's behind me. And my boss is just like, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" And I'm like, "This, this is who I am. This is who I. Am. <laughs> this is who I am." That is amazing. That is that yeah. is so that is so much fun. I was telling, I interviewed Scott Morrison. He's a journalist up here in Canada. Yep. And he wrote a recognize book. the name at from he wasn't he at the Vancouver Sun? I think he was. That name sounds really familiar. Might have, might have been. Might have been. Uh, he's. I think he's with Sportsnet now. Okay. Uh, but he wrote a book recently uh, about 1972. Uh-huh. And so cool. we're talking about all the different tournaments. And I go, like, 50 years later, people are still talking about 1972. And he says, well, you know, there's also uh, – there was a tournament, I believe, in – I can't remember. I think it was the 90s. You know, Lemieux and Gretzky were on the same team. Yep. And then he talked about a, the team behind you. Yep. And so I'll tell you the same story I told Scott. Um, I happened to have been in the hospital – Throughout the Winter Olympics of that year, I had liver surgery, and the day of the gold medal game. So I've been. I mean, in my in in the uh, I was going to call it a hotel, in the hospital, <laughs> watching all of the games and stuff. And then the yeah. day that they schedule surgery for me is the day is the day and the time of the gold medal game. Oh no! And so nobody was at my surgery. Like all my family were watching the game. <laughs> There's, there's photos of them high-fiving people down Young Street. Because they asked, where, where, were you here? No, no, no. We were watching the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I get it. Yeah. Like, I get it. Nothing it they can was, do. Like, I was in Vancouver, obviously, for those games. And I was at the game for that game. Um, and first of all, I was sitting with all my colleagues. And I was already moved to the U.S. So all my colleagues were American. And I, you know, like most Canadians, number one, ice hockey and men's hockey, both men's and women's, but ice hockey is like, it is the core of who you are. Like when you're watching, like when I'm watching a Team Canada game, I don't want anyone around me. Like I am nervous. I'm focused. Like I am watching with intent. I know the game really well. And so, you know, I was at the game, which I'm very blessed that I was there, but I was also like surrounded by people who were like, not as big of fans as I was. And so they're trying to talk to me during the game. I'm like, stop, like I'm, I can't. Then 
we're up one nothing or one, we're up to one and you know the goal is scored at the end of the at the end of the third to tie it up and then I just get lost so much chirping right like just trash on we're gonna take the medal away right in your hometown Z like what are you doing and get they're getting ready to just nail me and then when we scored in overtime I just remember being the only one in like our section just like yeah we're going down and like doing cartwheels in the in the concourse area like it was and so, and what I've heard is like the streets in Vancouver, very much like when the Raptors won, you know, the NBA finals, like super quiet, super quiet during the game. And then when the game's done, they, it was, I walked the streets of Vancouver and it was mad, like you had journey in this, like people singing and, oh, it was like, I will never forget. I will never forget that scene. Like it was amazing. Um, so I feel bad for you, but I don't like, your family, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I hear. I hear you. My sister just moved to uh, Temecula, which is just outside of um, San Diego. I think it's in between okay. San Diego and, and LA. Um, and forever, my dad said, "I'm never going to visit you. Like I can't go to the states." He was one of those parents. I'm not going to the states. Uh, everyone's carrying a gun. Yep um like nothing you know um still remembers the la riots and yep. just like no no need to go uh it took my sister actually buying tickets for my mom and dad for him to go now he's thinking of buying an apartment there <laughs> to go every it, winter <laughs> yeah. yeah it's what happens i mean listen i think i think all of I think all Canadians have these preconceived notions of the United States and vice versa, right? Um, and um, some of them are—I wouldn't say they're not all inaccurate. Some of them are. Some of them are pretty accurate. Um, but you know, now being here, I've been here for you know since 2003, so I've been here for almost 20 years. Um, it's my home now. And I still refer to Vancouver as my home. Like when I think about home, I think about Vancouver, but th this city and th this country has, you know, provided me with real, a really great mul multiple career opportunities. My kids have been born here. They've been brought up here. My, my, my current friends live here. Like I have to acknowledge and really appreciate what the country has actually allowed me to do because I don't think, I think this is a different statement if made today, if I was going through this journey today, but I think at that time of my life and the stage of where, um, where we were from a gender perspective, where we were in the industry of sport, I, I don't think I would have been able to do what I've done in the industry today, if I had stayed in Canada, actually, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have. Yeah, um, it's too small. I, it's too small. It was too. It was too small. So yeah. there were some things that were Canadian specific, right? Industry was way too small. Yeah. Um, it was very. Um, what's the What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say there was a lot of nepotism, but it was almost like. It's I understand. Who, right. It was like yeah. the people that were in it would just pick the the people underneath it, and it would just there would be this cycle, right? Yeah. It was very, very hard to break in from a meritocratic perspective. It was just that's it just didn't work that way. Yeah. Um, and and, you know, not exclusive to Canada, but like 
we weren't in the same place from a gender parity perspective. It wasn't, it was a very male dominated industry in its entirety, even in the United States. It's okay. just there was more, it was just that there's more like the supply was bit was bigger. So it's yeah. just it was easier to get in. Um so there I don't think I'm like there was no way I would have been, I would be in the job I'm I'm in today if I tried to stay in Canada and kind of figure it out from there. It just it yeah. wouldn't have been possible. So what how did you you're 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 a woman, you're a woman of color, uh you you weren't, you're not from the States. Um was there how difficult, how easy were there people that championed you? How did how did all of that happen? Not necessarily to get you where you are today, mm-hmm. because you need to be good at what you're doing eventually, right? And yep. not just gonna, well, you know, she's a good girl. It's you know, yeah, but yeah, but what like how how was that that journey for yep. you? How did it begin? Yeah. Um. There's so many ways I can answer that question. Um, I mean, the first thing that I would say is you have to be taught um, to fight. Like there has to be something in you that is either ingrained or, 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 you know, nature versus nurture, whichever one it is that teaches you to fight and to never give up and to be persistent and to have the belief that you can do anything that you want to do. And while my parents didn't necessarily want me to move to the United States and, you know, maybe we're a little bit apprehensive of like the fact that I love sports so much. Um, I mean, their story, you know, which is, you know, very well documented within our own kind of community storylines is of persistence and grit and believing that you can do anything that you want to do and setting up a really good life for yourself. Right. So I think the, I think there's something in me because of what I grew up with and, and what I was taught that is just like, Hey, if you want to go out and get something or do something, you can do it. You need to believe in it. Nothing, nothing is going to stop you if you if you believe in yourself. I say that that's number one. Um, I think that um, the success I've had through my career since that time, then, so assuming that you have that grit and persistence in you and that belief, um, I think the success has been the result of two things. I think um, I've worked really, really, really hard. Um, I would used to say in interviews that I would have for jobs, I would say to people, they were like, is it, you know, you go through your interview and they'd be like, do you have anything else to share? And I'd be like, the last thing that I want to say to you is that you will not find a person who will work harder than the person sitting in front of you. And I believe that. And I did it. Um, I would stay, I would be the one that stayed later. I would be the one that would work at home. I would be right. Like, I think there was just a work ethic for me because I I was kind of taught that, but I also loved the industry so much that it it didn't feel like work. It was just like, Oh, I get to do some, I get to do a few more hours of this. So I would, I I worked really, really hard. Um, And I think, you know, you know that saying, like, you have to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. I think that's what happens. Like, I worked hard 
to get to the opportunities that I got to, but I also ended up then being in the right place at the right time. And I think those two things, they work together. They work together. And then the second part is what you uh, alluded to is like, I had a lot of champions, a ton. Um, you know, I've, I've been so lucky in my career that I think for every stop, every place I've gone, it's been somebody looking at me saying, you should come and work here versus me looking for a job and saying, I'm going to apply, I'm going to apply, I'm going to apply. For the most part, I, I'm trying to think of a job, I, every job, every single job I've had, I think I've had five now has been someone saying, Hey, I've heard about you or, Hey, I know you come, you know, come over here and work for us or, or at least come here and interview. And let's, I think this is the right job for you. I mean, that is either that person being a champion of who I am or that person listening to somebody else who's a champion of who, of, of me. Right. Um, uh, I don't even know what else to say. Like I am, I am very blessed to have people who um, believe in me and not only just believe in me and talk to me, they talk to other people about me and, and then things, you know, they start to happen. So. And that only happens, right. See if you're good at what you do, right. People aren't talking think, about you. If you just happen to be someone on the team. I think it happens for that reason, but yeah. I also think, um, I, I'm assuming that the reason it happens is because hopefully I'm good at what I do and I'm a good human being. Uh, I think, yeah, of course. Will, yeah. At, right. Like there are people who are really good at what they do, but they're not nice people. Hmm. I, I would never want to be known as not a nice person, but I think, um, when you ask people, if you were talking to people in the industry who knew me, I think that they'd be, I think the response, if you're like, Hey, do you know Z? Like, tell me what you think of her. They'd be something to the effect of like, she's awesome. She's just such a great person. They're not going to say, Hey, she's really, I don't think, I don't think the first thing that they're going to say is like, man, she's a rock star at her job. She's really smart. I think what they'd say is like, she is an amazing human being. Now, if you dove in a little bit in there, hopefully they would say, Hey, she's really good at what she does. She comes up with really great ideas. Um, and I think people discount that a lot. Like, I'm surprised that um, it's coveted as something that's rare um, because I don't, I don't act that way because I think it's unique. I act that way because it's just, it's who I am. It's who I think humans should be, right? But like the fact that I think people call it out as like a skill set or a characteristic, like that's interesting to me, right? That like, it's not, it's not as common as we think it is. And, and maybe that's, maybe that's industry specific. Maybe that's just the sports industry, but, but it, it is interesting to me at like how people are like, man, I'll, I want to work with Z or I want to work for Z because she's just an amazing human being. Oh, that's I mean, great. Who, who knew? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, and I think it's, it's more important today because you know you read headlines or articles you know what's this thing they call the great resignation yeah right where people are saying no i, I want to do you know either i want to do what i want to do or um all the companies now or most companies now are letting people work from home uh so i want that balance so i'm gonna you know i i you know it's the employees now are like where do i want to 
you know, lay my hat now. Yep. Right? I've got a choice now. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things, right? Because, you know, you can go to both of these companies and they'll both pay you reasonably the same amount of money. You'll get the same week's vacation or whatever it is. You'll get the same benefits. Yep. But you want to enjoy what you're doing and you want to enjoy the people that you're doing it with. Totally. And if that's missing, then every day it's like, oh, shoot, this person trying to call me on Teams or there's another Zoom call. And you don't, you know, you don't have that passion of like, well, yeah, it's, it's a Friday and my boss said I can leave at 3.30. But, you know, I don't mind if I'm here till five or six or seven, you know, just finishing yeah. off because I enjoy this or I enjoy working on this team. I think I think that's important. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. I, and I've gotten better at uh realizing that and valuing that as I've, as I've progressed, I think when you're young, right? Like there, you have different things that you're trying to solve for, right? When you're young, you're trying to break in. You're trying to find um, companies that are going to look good on your resume. You're trying to make a living, right? Like you have a, right. So there are things that you're going to say, okay, compensation, place name brand equity of the place I work those things are going to be at the top of the list um and I don't you know those things don't necessarily go away they just fall a little bit lower for me now from now for me it's like who am I working with do I enjoy being around the people that I'm going to work with are they motivated are they smart are they going to push me to do things that I've never done before so that's usually number one Number two is usually like, what are the values of this organization that I'm going to work for? Like, do they align with the things that I find important? Are they inclusive? Do they want, you know, creative thinking? Are they bold in the things that they're going after? Right. Those are, those are the things that I, like, I start to look for different things now um, because I want to wake up every day and be like, I have the best, like, I cannot wait to get to my job today versus like, oh my God, I have another Zoom meeting. Right. So you're absolutely right. I think it, we're in a really interesting time period of, you know, it's a very good market for those that are looking for jobs. Um, and I think the way society has basically evolved over the last, you know, five to 10 years with just the gig economy and the creator economy and, you know, the, the, the rise of like, um, you know, millennials and, you know, Gen Z, like you have this, you have this voice and this tide of like, you know, how am I uh, almost like this? What's in it for me, right? How am I going to make sure that I am taken care of based on the decisions I made or the decision, you know, based on what's going on around me. And, you know, this, this, it's less about we and more about I, right? Like that's kind of how things have shifted over the last little while you can watch the content you watch whenever you want to watch it, the way you want to watch it. And if you don't want to watch what's on linear TV, you can watch something. It doesn't matter. Like you can listen to the, you don't have to listen to the radio. You could like all of the, the way technology is involved and, you know, you, you do what you want when you want to do it and how you want to do it. That's what society has kind of led to. And I think like, you know, now, now I'm a, I'm a hiring manager, right? I hire people. I'm kind of in the stage of my career where I'm watching kind of how young people enter this industry and the things that they ask and what they, um, and what they're looking for. And I find myself conflicted a lot with this, um, 
the balance between making sure you're taking care of yourself and your needs, which you should always do with the ego and the swagger that comes along with it. Right. And I'm just like, okay, right. Like what type of person do I want to hire? I definitely want a person who's like, knows what they want is motivated by that is going to be driven to achieve those things, but I don't want the swagger. So, you know, it's like, I, I'm okay with a little bit of swagger. I don't want a lot of swagger, right? Like I work very well in a good team environment where, you know, if my associate comes up with a great idea, she's going to present that idea in the room. But if I come up with a great idea, then I'm going to like, it's, it's okay. Together we're going to be much stronger as a team versus any of us individually. And if I have someone who comes in, who doesn't kind of believe in the same mindset, that makes it really, really tough. Um, and I think people, I, I don't want to say like all young people are like this. I think the, I think the, the, the way that society has allowed people to kind of really think about their wants and needs all the time, um, facilitates this, like what's in it for me more often than it did before. Like you just, you know, when we were growing up, it's like, you watch what was on television. This is on television right now. You're like, okay, this is what I'm going to watch right now. You just didn't, you didn't have a lot of choice and optionality. And so you didn't ask for it. It just yeah. wasn't, wasn't something you asked for. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. So let's get to what you do. Okay. Um, well, don't get so excited about that. <laughs> I'm ex- I'm, I just, we just had the most amazing conversation. Now this feels boring, but okay. No, no, but I, 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 I want to ask this because, uh, of the question I want to ask after it. Okay. So, so I need to sort of set the stage. Got it. Um, so the title, according to LinkedIn, says you're the head of partnership development and innovation uh, for the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic properties. What does that mean to you? Like, so what if if you and I are in an elevator, we're going to the tenth floor, yep. And I said, "Hey, I just saw you on LinkedIn. It says you do this. What does that mean? What would you tell me?" Yep. I get that question a lot because the title is so, it's just so nebulous that people are like, well, what, what is that? So essentially what I do, my job is to come up with new ways to drive revenue for the Olympic and Paralympic movement in the United States. So that's it, right? When you think about making money in sport, you think about it coming in from sponsorship. You think about coming it coming in from media, right? Broadcast rights. You think about coming, it coming in from merchandise and concessions, you, you know, and tickets, right? Those are usually the places where people are like, all right, here's how we're going to make money. My job is to, you know, think about, are there any things in those typical areas that we haven't thought of before? So, you know, for example, in sponsorship, are there categories or areas that sponsorship hasn't been leveraged before? And should we be in those places? But more importantly, Karim, it's, all right, somebody else can deal with the five areas that are pretty typical and traditional. What else is out there? How else are we driving revenue into the business so that we can, you know, enable our athletes, provide more financial income for athletes, sustain the the U.S. Olympic team, and just make sure that they have the financial resources to exist and perform, and then make sure that the games in L.A. has the financial st- stability to be able to, s- to sustain itself. So um, my job is all about making money. I sit on the commercial team, but it's about trying to make new money, right? In ways that we've never made money before. 
Okay. So when we booked this, yeah, I had I, I had written down notes uh, the first time I heard you speak uh, because I was fascinated with this AMP program. And then I read some more. I go, yeah, okay, AMP, fine. But then I read a quote that you said, and I really want to understand this. Yep. This is what you said. I'm also thinking about how do you think about the Olympics in a new way? How do you think about inclusivity, volunteerism in the community? And I don't know whether, you know, again, I'm just reading an article. And you also said this in the same. We need some change in this country, and we're going to use LA28 to get to that place. Yep. So when I read that, I go, that doesn't sound, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but maybe you're so good at what you do that they allow you to do this. So explain, I don't, I don't need to know why you're doing that. Well, yep. I don't need to know who gave you the permission to do that. What yep. I would love to know is why that's important for you yep. and this role that you have. Yeah. I mean, very... Let's divide that into two parts, right? Rat, like I'm going to give you the rational answer of why it's important in my job. And I'm going to give you an emotion, like the emotional side of it, right? The rational answer to that of like, why do I look at things that um, um, are maybe um, a little bit more touchy feely, a little bit less like more intangible, a little bit more about societal impact versus sport impact. Rationally, I do those because if I do those well, if I, if I, come up with programs that speak to inclusivity, that speak to volunteerism, that speak to climate change and sustainability. Um, uh, those are things that um, will allow the Olympic movement to evolve and therefore have more money come in, right? If a brand knows that we are going to tackle climate change because that's the right thing to do for this country, and we're going to put the Olympic Games together and the Paralympic Games together such that they are the most sustainable games that we've ever seen. A brand who also has the values and the ideals and the objectives of climate change is going to be like, well, I'm, I want to, I want to do that too, right? I want to be involved. So it, it does from a from a commercial perspective, it it helps because most brands now realize that out, you know, in addition to hey, I need to meet this. Um, sales figure, revenue number, target. Like I also need to do good for society. I need to do both. Pretty much every company I talk to has a set of like financial objectives and then a set of like um, societal objectives. In fact, a lot of them are very related. Uh, and so the rational answer perm, is like, I do that because it actually makes us a more commercially viable product if we do think in those areas. The emotional response is, I work for the Olympic movement. We have an obligation as the movement to change the things that don't work in this country, at least to leverage the rings, the halo of the rings, the people that, you know, look at sport and feel passionate about sport and therefore are willing to do something even beyond sport to, to try and solve some of the things in this country. And I would say not even in this country, in the world that maybe they wouldn't have done so otherwise, right? And so if I can if I can use Paralympic athletes to showcase that people who are disabled in this country are not 
represented in the right way in in media advertise like I should do that. That is an awareness issue that we need to solve for. Um, and because I work for the for the Olympic movement and the Paralympic movement, I have the responsibility. I have to do that. Otherwise, why am I in this job? Right. So I think there, you know, I think that you will find most people that work in the Olympic and Paralympic movement, most, and because it's not just me, many people who work in the movement that have these ideals of like greater good. Right? We're in this to make sure the movement succeed, but succeeds, but we're we're also here because we believe that we can make the world a better place um, and that we have a responsibility to do so. And so I'm definitely not the only one on my team that thinks this way. We have many others. Um, but that's that's why I make comments like that. It's because, you know, we regularly talk about within our offices, within the walls of our offices, of like, how do we make sure that Every person in Los Angeles, whether they can afford it or not, has access to the games in some way, shape, or form. How do we make an Olympic ceremonies exist, not just in the high price ticket at SoFi, but in another venue where maybe there's a lower price ticket so that other people can have access to it that maybe never, like, we think about things like that because we should, right? Like, it, it is all you know, that, that is what the Olympic movement is about. So, um, it actually speaks to like, you know, going back to some of the previous points of our discussion is like the types of people that end up working in the Olympic movement have like these, you know, you know, these ideals of like, we should be doing this. Now, our problem actually is that we do too much of like, at some point you have to say, okay, this is what we're doing and here we go. Otherwise you're just not going to execute. Um, but I love kind of being around people who think that way and who are like, hey, like we can do more and we should be doing more. It's awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you for that. Yep. I don't have too much time left with you. Um, and, I, and I'm not necessarily asking you, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can answer this, maybe you can't, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, six more years until LA 2028. Um, I know you're not looking at that as, a, as an end point, but from where I'm sitting, it seems to me that you're the type of person that not necessarily looking at the next thing or the next challenge, but you're looking for, and maybe it's at the same place you're working for, the next exciting opportunity, the next exciting challenge. Um, I don't want to ask you, when are you coming and leading the Canadian Olympic Committee. That's not, <laughs> that's not a fair question. Um, but yeah, what sort of, and I don't, don't tell me your dream job unless you want to, but like what sort of things do you look forward to in the future of things you want to uh, accomplish? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, my dream job, like every other Canadian, is to run an NHL team at some point in my life. I've been pretty clear ever since I was a kid. I think my parents are tired of hearing this, but like, if I could do any job before I retire, that will be the job. Um, and, you know, maybe it'll happen and maybe it won't, Kerm, but like, that's the one I put at the top of the list of like, if I could do that, it would be amazing. So that's the dream job. I think um, I'm shocked and I shouldn't be at 
how well you kind of know me already with just the short time that we've spent together because you, um, you're, I am the type of, you're right. I am the type of person that um, is motivated by kind of consistent change and challenge. Um, only because the, the change tends to lead to something new, which I find challenging, right? Those two things are somewhat related. Um, now, the good news about the role that I'm in right now is I wake up every day thinking about something new, right? I get to whiteboard new ways to earn. It's right. Like that's, that's the nature of this job. It isn't like, Hey, here's the list of things you need to do. Go check these things off the list and make sure those are good. It is, Hey Z, what's happening in today's world that we need to pay attention to. And is there a, is there a commercial opportunity on the other side of it? That's a pretty good job for somebody who is motivated by change and challenge because I have to stay on top of things that I don't know anything about. When, you know, the NBA and Dapper Labs launched Top Shot last year, I was just like, what has just happened here? Like, people are buying these things. There's obviously a, um, a commercial opportunity. I had to ramp up and learn and, like, be so well-versed in this in this new lucrative area of sport and in society that I just, I didn't know anything about, right? That happens to me, if not daily, definitely weekly. I'm just like, oh, okay. That's the good news about this job. You know, might it slow down in terms of the new things that we can develop as we get closer to the games? Probably, right? Like we're going to have to execute, execute and operationalize the games. My hope is that, um, the things that I look for in terms of the ability to constantly provide new thinking doesn't change. Like that is something that is needed in this company. I think it probably will be, but if not, that's the thing I look for. I look for, we talked about some of this, right? I look for great people that I can work with, which includes a really great boss that has to happen every single time now. Um, and a great boss is one that's, believes in you, helps you rise up, clears the path for you when you're like, I have a great idea, I want to do this, um, doesn't micromanage, feels good in their own skin so that they are making you feel good in yours, right? So that's a great boss. Um, but outside of a great boss, like just a really good core of people that is energetic and motivated and like happy and wants to be there, right? First, that's the first thing I look for. And then the second thing will be like, is what they're giving me to do something that I'm going to be invigorated by? Like, am I going to quench this thirst of like this thinking that I, like, I love to kind of, um, I love to like be given a problem and being like, I don't know how to solve this problem. Do you take it? And I get to take it and be like, okay, let me think, let me learn about what this problem is. Let me analyze it. Let me look at the data. And here's a potential solution. That is the best job for me. Um, and so, you know, my hope is that that's what happens here for the next six years. It feels long, right? That's a long runway. It doesn't feel long, um, although the last three years have gone by super quick. Um, but if it's not here, then wherever that type of opportunity presents itself, that's what I'll look for. I, it's so funny. Somebody asked me recently, they're like, where do you want to go next? And I was like, I have I don't look at like the place I want to go next outside of outside of managing an NHL, NHL team. I, I never look at like, it has to be 
this property or this agency, I don't look at that at all. I always like look at the kind of the, the qualitative stuff underneath that and then and then kind of assess that. Like, does that feel right for me? And if it happens to be, you know, something right next door that I would have never thought of before, that's okay. And if it happens to be, you know, the Olympic and Paralympic games, that's okay too, right? It's 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 the things that they give me to learn from. Um, that's what's important. Wow. So president of the LA Kings or? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of has a nice ring to it. That has it? a nice. Or maybe. I can, you know, I can see that happening. Finally coming back home and doing the same thing for the Canucks, maybe. Ooh. I would move back home if that was the job. For that, you would work. <laughs> I would work in, don't tell RF. Don't tell my husband. But if Winnipeg that's Jets, us, the Winnipeg Jets offer the presidency. Oh, okay, we got to talk about that one. Do you think I could live in Winnipeg? I live in California now. <laughs> There's a limited amount of jobs as a president of an NHL team. <laughs> that's the, that that call. That's the reason I haven't gotten it yet because it's the limited number <laughs> because, of jobs. Because yeah. Just like Canada. I honestly like, I, there's still some things I got to do before I can get that job. I feel I know myself like there's some learning that I still have to do. I'm not ready for a job like that yet, but one day, one well, day. Obviously, right? It's, it's 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 sort of like you don't look at the next thing, yeah. But you've got this thing. I remember, you know, you you know the name Richard Petty. Yeah. Why? Why do I know uh, that? Uh, I think it was the first president when when the Raptors and Leafs merged. He was the uh -huh. first. The MLSE. First. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember, I remember interviewing him and he was like years ago when he was living in Windsor, he, uh, he would, you know, he, he wanted to run a basketball team and, you know, he, he ended up working for like the Sky Dome when it was called the Sky Dome. Um, yeah, yeah, well, and, yeah. Yeah. you know, it just happened to be in the right place where they needed somebody and you know he ran Maple Leaf Foods at one point. You know he ran broadcast stuff, and yeah, let's give it to Richard. And lo and behold, he's running. I think when you like, I used to be really shy about putting that out there, like because it, it was this, this dream I've had since I was a kid. And I, like I was a kid, and I was like, it's not realistic and it's not practical, and I don't want to put it out there because what if it doesn't happen? Now I'm like, it might not ever happen, but if I don't put it out there, I'm not going to believe that I can do it, right? Like. I think sometimes you just have to kind of say it out loud a few times and be like, okay, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, if you look back to Simon Fraser University mm -hmm. and if somebody were to tell you, you know, I, th I think you'll be like one of the people leading the Olympic movement in the U.S. You I would say, I yeah. like, no way. Like, how do you get from here to there? But, you know, there's, Stuff that you do, you never know what the next thing is, but you know what you want to do, right? Yep. Which is important. This is why I got to talk to you more often. You can be like my motivational person. <laughs> Not me. You think you'll find someone better. <laughs> this was a really good chat. Thank you this for your time. different than any other podcast I've ever done. This was hey, awesome. You ready to get started now? Can we press record? Can we no. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, you were amazing. Thank you for having me. That was so, I had so much fun.